Hey everyone, welcome to Orange Crushing It, a weekly series dedicated to high drive, passionate and motivated individuals. I'm your host, Frank Clark, President and CEO of The Mr. Orange. This show is a weekly dose of business, life and personal development principles geared toward bringing out the adrenaline junkie and overachiever in each and every one of you. As a seasoned entrepreneur of over five companies producing hundreds of millions in revenue, I'm going to personally be sharing my stories of success and, of course, my life-defining massive (laughs) screw-ups, as well as featuring inspiring guests, business leaders, athletes, thrill-seekers who just truly want to walk their talk and make life happen. Stick around, and let's get crushing. Welcome, everybody, to Orange Crushing It. It's a beautiful day here in Tampa, Florida. And I have a fantastic guest on the show today, my buddy, my good friend, big real estate dude in New York City, Ken Van Lu. He's the founder and CEO of Global Real Estate Strategies. It's a New York City skyscraper expert and international, he is an international best-selling author, as well as a New York skyscraper expert. This is a guy, like if you're looking up the skyscrapers in New York City, he's probably built one or two of them anyways. He's done over 1,500 high-rise residential units, 3 million square feet of commercial real estate in probably the nation's, if not the global, toughest market in the world. He's the creator of numerous real estate training programs. He's a funny guy, too. He really is. He's a keynote speaker, educator, engineer. He's been on NBC, CBS, Fox News. I just recently read most of his book. I'm getting through it. It's awesome. It's called The Modern Wealth Building Formula, How to Master the Real Estate Investing, How to Be a Guru Like Ken Is. Okay. He's, uh, he's put just in capital alone, $1.3 billion in capital investments into New York City. On top of that, the guy's a magician. All right. <laughs> I'm going to treat him really nice because I don't want him to make me disappear. And he's from New York. So he's been doing this since the age of 12. He brings a lot of magic into the life of other people's Ken Van Lu, Welcome to Orange Crush and the brother. How are you? You make it sound like uh, I, I don't put my pants on one leg at a time. But uh, Well, I'm watching how you're dressed and, you know. <laughs> so much. I'm blessed with that introduction. It's just a real pleasure to be here and say enough great things about, you know, our friendship. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started hanging out a few months back, really like, you know, and then got to know each other here in Florida. You came down here for a real estate symposium or a seminar or something you were teaching and I got to hang with you some more. And uh, I've just kind of watched you in uh, an organization that we're both members with. And I'm just kind of watching, man, your leadership and, and all the things that you're doing that are inspiring to the rest of the team. I mean, obviously, you got a great book. You've had tons of success. But, you know, that didn't all happen overnight, right? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there right now that are preaching the whole ease and flow, ease and grace. We can have everything we want, with just ease and grace. Uh, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not a student of that school. I think it's just hustle and grind, man. I think it's, you know, bust your balls, break your back, do what you need to do, right? Get it done. And you're certainly a student of that school, I believe, right? And I think part of that's, is that, is that a Northeast thing or is that just a... I would have to say, you know, I, my dad taught me, you know, if you're not there like 15 minutes early, you're not on time. (laughs) And uh, it was the philosophy, you know, saying, you know, wake up five, you know, get three hours ahead of everybody, (laughs) you know, that type of thing. But it's definitely Northeast when I, you know, I seem to uh, go further south, not in Florida, Florida, there's a lot of crushers because that's where they're retiring. But you start hanging out in South Carolina, North Carolina, the pace slows a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And I, I I remember I moved to California 
And these guys are like, Hey, let's get together for a breakfast meeting. I'm like, all right, what do you want me? Like six, six 30. What are we doing? You know? And they're like six, <laughs> six 30. How about nine? And they show up with their flip-flops on. I'm like, what the fuck is this all about? <laughs> this is not a breakfast meeting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the hustle and grind, man. So I think I'm going to be a, a, a skyscraper guy. Not just, I'm not just going to do residential stuff. I'm not going to do, you know, the double wides. I'm not going to do even like luxury Beverly Hills homes. I'm going to build like 52 story buildings. You know, I, how do you, how does a guy go? That's what I want to do. I mean, somebody's doing everything right. So you, I, I'm impressed. I'm like blown away impressed, especially with the money you've raised. But how do you decide that's what you want to do? It was a little bit of an evolution. And it actually started when I was about 18. I was actually 17. And when I went to college, I, I graduated young and I, I read the book, No Money Down. I'm driving down the parkway and I'm like, wow, I could just barely afford this car. You know, how's somebody buying a house with no money down, you know, but it planted a seed. And, you know, I was on the, uh, I, I actually probably created it, the six year plan in college, you know, so after six years and, and kind of playing football at one school, I, I got into engineering. And uh, just before, it was actually my last two years of high school, I got a little taste for construction. You know, I love construction and I wanted to be an engineer, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when I get done with engineering, sitting there at a desk and I had won this award, it was a site development award my senior year in high school. And it was a 12 acre lot that we were given or a 13 acre lot. And they said, okay, design this to one acre lot. So I do this whole design. I learned how to put the road, the drainage. And I'm like, wow, I really like to develop real estate like this. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I was an engineer, so I, uh, you know, I go into engineering and I, I mean, it lasted about six months, you know, I was not, as you know, me, I can't sit still, you know, I'm sure. sitting on, I got to talk to people. <laughs> I can't like sit here and like draw on a board, you know? <laughs> I was doing some work, like, you know, working for a lawyer at night doing construction claims, right? And I'm like, wow, I really like this construction thing. And this guy's like, hey, you want to build a building in Poughkeepsie? I'm like, yeah, why not? I was like 21. I had just graduated, 22. And I go to Poughkeepsie and I build my first 32-unit building through the winter. And I finally had a sensory acuity, I don't know if a word that I use, to building a building where I was like, it was similar to when I bought that first car. I couldn't really afford it, you know. Sure. Had a three-speed duster, had a different colored quarter panel. I pull up to the light. Next to me is this Trans Am, you know, and I'm like, wow, I've never seen one. That's like the sweetest car I've ever seen. I'm going to buy one of those. Oh, well, yeah. next day I seen two. Next day I seen four. You know, so I had this new sensory acuity. So fast forward to the buildings. I'm like, wow, if I could build a building, that'd be pretty cool. And Maybe I can, you know, go to New York and build one. Sure enough. The left rack organization was building waterfront property. And I told my wife, I'm coming to Jersey to build my first high rise. Off I came to New Jersey. And, you know, as I started building them, that led to an illustrious career in, in you know, New York. And after a while, I had a few under my belt. So I didn't necessarily say one day I was going to build them. But as I grew, I was like, wow, if I could ever build a skyscraper, that'd be pretty cool. Right. And, and then on top, you know, it became an amazing dream come true. That was a like little long-winded. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but the point you brought up is the sensory acuity, right? Like you see yeah. one Trans Am, then you see two, then you see three. Because once you're dialed in on what you want to do, you see it everywhere. Yes. Right? It doesn't become necessarily such a big obstacle. It becomes your reality. Yes. As you dial yeah. into what is it you want to do, which is I'm always preaching to people, look, do what you love, right? If you focus on what you love, you'll see how to make money at it. You'll find the gem in it, right? You'll find the, the deal in it. 
But here you are like, okay, so you're 21 years old. I remember when I first got in sales, I was 22 years old and I'm working for this, you know, $500 million company selling equipment that was like quarter million bucks. And here you are that age, right? And you're going to go out and fund this waterfront project, right? And obviously you're going to go out and ask people for money, right? I mean, I, I assume that's part of the deal, right? Yeah, actually, at twenty-two, I, I was I was actually starting in the trenches. So I was a super in charge of two thirty-three story buildings, but that led to me actually. I learned how to design them. I learned how to build them, and then I went and did a, a second master's at NYU to learn how to finance them. And that's when the funding aspect came in, just a little bit after that. But yes, I, yeah. I funded my first skyscraper at two forty Park Avenue. But the question would apply. Go ahead. So the, the question I want to ask you is, you know, because I remember being that age and I was, you know, I, we're Northeast guys. I was a Boston guy. You're a New York guy, Jersey guy. That's I remember right. people saying to me, how do you have the balls to ask for this? You know, what are you, 22? What the? What do you know? You know, what do you, you're going to ask us, our company, to invest all this kind of money? Here you are asking people, right? Yes. And they're not looking at little projects, man. You're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. Right? And how do you get, like that credibility factor. Cause I know people that listen to this show sometimes might in the back of their mind go easy for you. Right. That whole frit. Yeah. Easy for you, but it wasn't always easy for us. Right. Right. And so if, I don't care what age you're starting something, there's going to be that moment in time where you go, am I, am I really like people are telling me I'm not smart enough. People are telling me I'm too young. People are telling me I'm too old, whatever the limiting belief, some bullshit wants to throw it at you. Right. Yeah. How do you get past that? How do you go? You know what? That ain't me. You can you can make a lot fun of me all you want, but that ain't me. Yeah, great question. And it didn't happen overnight. You know, I think I have uh, about 125,000 hours in real estate construction and, and engineering. But it's still, with all that experience, it all came down to this and, yeah. you know, the limiting beliefs. When I first started asking for money, it probably took a good five, six years before it became comfortable for me. But, you know, initially, I, I mean, the phone was like, you know, 100 pounds, <laughs> you know, literally. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think what really helped me is, you know, I was never really book smart when I started, you know, I, I became a little bit more book smart, but I really relied a lot on mentors. And, you know, when I wanted to learn about building a building, you know, I says, uh, you know, who's doing what I want to do. So I would, I would match and mirror them and that would lead me in another direction. But it always seemed like, you know, you, you know, in order to see step five, you have to get to the corner where step two, and then you got to look around the corner, but you can't see that direction until you kind of get to the corner. So it was having a little bit of faith. Sure. You know, mentors to give me the mindset because, you know, I came from $10 a week. You know, my dad climbed telephone poles. What I mean by that, my mom was a bank teller. I go to college. They're like, okay, we're going to send $10 a week. I'm like, okay. Like I'll wash my clothes in a six pack and like, that's about it. So I was like, you know, let me start filling out financial aid forms. And, you know, I finally, you know, got the groove on, I guess you would say, you know, where I realized that, you know, all of this education wasn't necessarily going to teach me how to make money either. You know, mom and dad were just like, Hey, go to college, go to college. I'm like, okay, this engineering degree looks good. I got all these books on the shelf, but now what? And that's where, that's where the mindset to overcome it may have happened to you once or twice in your life. You know, you start saying, oh, I'm, I'm not enough. You know, I can't do that. And our friend Tony Robbins says, you know, it starts out with, right, a language pattern that turns into a, a belief system. 
which then affects your physiology. And it's, it's a combination of a few things that I just touched upon. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. It's, it, you know, it does boil down to, well, physiology is a key, key component, right? And we can all control that. We can control our physiology. We can control our language and we control our, our focus. Yes. Although sometimes it seems like it's out of control, but we, we actually can control those three things. So that I, as Tony refers to it as state management, right? Let's just get into state, make your move, right? Get, do these crazy things that get us our body pumped up and those endorphins going and adrenaline going. And, you know, some people have like specific routines. Do you have a little like morning routine? Do you have a, okay, Ken's feeling down in the dumps right now. He just asked for a billion dollars on this project and got a no, no effing way, <laughs> you know? How do you get pumped up on this, man? How do you get, what's like, what's your, what's your state management tip? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. So it's, it's, well, first of all, that's constant practice because like everybody else, we all fall off the ritual, but my day may be a cliche for other successful people, but you know, I start my day very, very early, sometimes normally around like four 30, I have a get ready time. So that's like half hour. And then by five o'clock, I'm, I'm moving for 50 minutes. Then at six o'clock, I usually fuel my body and shower. 6.30, I meditate and I'm at my desk at seven. And just in that time, and I'm at such peace of mind, usually by seven to nine, I get done with most people get done for the rest of the day, just from that morning ritual. But I slow myself down a little bit in the afternoon. I meditate again. I journal. I'm, I'm like real religious. About my uh, journaling, I use the uh, Best Self Co journal, where mm-hmm. I, I literally start out with every 13 weeks. I lay out specifically three major milestones and achievements that I want in three areas of my life, and that leads to a habit tracker. That leads to a 13 week program, where each week I kind of reverse engineer from what I want to accomplish into what I need to do per week, which then equates down to what I want to do per day. And then the other thing that I do because I'm normal and I, I go down rabbit holes like everybody else, just deeper ones and bigger ones. Sure. I try because trying doesn't exist. I've realized that gratitude and fear and all that kind of stuff can't exist, you know, at the same time. So I have my mantras in front of me, energy, I am health, fitness, maven, dietary, extraordinaire, emotional master, and role model. My physique is etched in stone, gratitude and unlimited energy. You are a champion. So that's, that's the stuff that's in front of me, you know, in order just to keep it, you know, keep it straight. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's motivating, right? It's your vision. It's your, it's your, look at that and listen to that routine, right? You get an up early 4.30 in the morning, right? That alone, just, okay, you just knocked out 50% of the population. They're like, nah, I ain't fucking doing that. That's too early, right? And they distort and delete these, te- these techniques to get successful, right? Then you said something really important. You said, I take care of my body. I move for 50 minutes. I move. You run, right? I mean, you're, it's, it's, it's getting I, cold outside up there in Jersey and New York, right? Yeah. And I have, I have a whole calisthenic. I, I came up with V ups. I got a couple different kind of push ups, but 10 exercises where I'll do, do, now do 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, whether it's in my basement or garage. It is getting cold. Yeah. Especially yeah. guys with bald head. Like the last, like today may be the last running day. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bald. It's called uh, follicle challenge. I think that's yeah. what scalp, scalp gifted. Scalp gifted. <laughs> I like the follicle challenge. <laughs> yeah, but but seriously though, Ken, it's the morning rituals, right? It's the it's the discipline. It's the habit. You have a journal, okay? And you you 
see where you want to be. Then you reverse engineer, like you said. I mean, even talking about the building, right? Okay, yeah. you get to the, the fifth step. But at the second step, you take a look around the corner and go, all right, where am I at? Let's reassess. Let's re- Okay, if we're going to get to step floor number seven. Okay, let's take a look at where floor number three, where we're at. Let's reassess, readjust, right? That constant. And the fact that you write it down every single day, right? And and check and balance that every single day. You're not you're not just one of these spontaneous, oh, I'll just see whatever the wind takes me kind of day. Yeah. You have a structure to your life, which is why you're successful, man. It's why I think it's one of the reasons a lot of people are successful. But also part of being successful is dealing with the downs when I want to quit moments. And I was reading in your book, 9-11, not only did you lose one of your best friends, but you lost one of your waterfront projects. You know, and a half a million bucks. Not half a million. Yeah, half a million bucks in yes. investments on that deal, right? And and then shortly thereafter, you know, you deal you do this deal with uh, Lehman Brothers right before they go belly up, right? Or take take a tank, right? Yes. And that's you know, a three that's New York high rise, three three buildings you got over there. Yes. Like at what do you go at what point do you go, you know, I'm still good at this. I just lost not only did I lose a great friend to to a tragedy that none of us obviously had any idea what was going to happen. It changed the world. It definitely changed this country and certainly changed Manhattan. Yeah. It what it, it what what drives you at that point was what keeps you going at that point when you have massive losses like this. You know, that's such a great you gave me some chills down my back because my first thing was my first thought was if it if it doesn't kill you, it's gonna make you stronger. Right. So Right. So Bridgewater was my my first project and and I and I made money and I rolled it into a into a waterfront. And that's actually when I was big into personal development, Tony Robbins, fortunately. Thank God I was with Tony when the towers collapsed and then I lost that half a million dollars and my friend. I was beaten down, you know. And and I, I guess at that time I remember it was really my family and my wife that were like, you know what, it's gonna be okay. We're we're gonna we're gonna make this thing happen. And it made me stronger because the second time around when Lehman crashed, you know, I was like, wow, I'm like, you know, I'm ready to jump. (laughs) You know, this is crazy. Like, you know, everything I studied my whole life was upside down and I was scared. You know, I I tried, I I actually was in contract to buy Stewart's root beer. They had an orange line too. And, um, you know, going the franchise route, I was looking at car simonizing stuff, bringing it international. And uh, I was down in the dumps, you know, and, and that time around, I, I had Tony in the back of my head, just, you know, your feelings aren't based what you focus on and everlasting change. And, and I, he, this always, you know, this mastery thing is always there, but it didn't happen until I, I listened to the book mastery by Robert Greene. And then I heard it again in outliers. And what it said was, you become, and, and I, I should have known this from being a magician because the best card magicians in the world have over 10,000 hours. But for like the third time, I heard it through my magic hobby, through Outliers and then Mastery Robert Green. And I was like, wow, like 10,000 hours. Like, I wonder how many hours I have in this thing, right? <laughs> so I, li- I literally go and I'm like, okay. Da, 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 da. And it came up to like over 100,000 hours. And I was like, okay. You're not doing real estate anymore. You're not doing construction. You're trying to buy like Stewart's root beer. Are you crazy? You're an expert at this. Just like, okay, be with that for a minute. Because I had lost, I had lost the the mojo for real estate. Like 500 cranes stopped in the city. It was eerie. It was eerie. 
it got me out of it. You know, I was like, okay, you know, you do do this like unconsciously competent. You got to get back into this. And then I just, I looked at a deal. Next thing you know, I got an, an, an offer to help out a company in New York. It was a non-union company. I, I did 300 units with them. That led to me being a partner in a concrete company. I built a couple of towers out of concrete. And then I had a calling to write the book. And that kind of brought me to where I am at today. Yeah. Just fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about it. You got to bring the fun energy into it, right? The four energies that are out there, you know, the, the male Zeus energy, the goddess female, obviously the aspirational and the fun. You bring the fun into everything you do, man. You know, that's the magician as well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know? and, and, and it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome to see that you're that. And, and, and you made a great point here too, Ken, that you are an expert in real estate. You look at all the hours that you've invested time in. Yeah. And it's funny because, well, to me, I think it's, it's funny because I coach people and my clients are typically the, what I'll call the second actors, right? They're the, into the second chapter of their life at yeah. whatever thing happened that triggers that moment. Okay. Some people call it a midlife crisis. I look at it, the midlife opportunity. And when that happens is they lose a job. They, their spouse leaves them after 20, 30 years of marriage, right? The kids grow up and they have the empty nest syndrome. They have some kind of health issue that really takes them to their knees. And it's the awakening time, right? It's that now I got to make a shift in my life, right? And it's funny because most people, when I'm talking to them, when they hit this element, it's, well, Company laid me off. I was working there for 30, 40 years. Company laid me off. I guess I got to go work at Starbucks now. I guess I'm going to go schlepping hamburgers at McDonald's. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't you have like 20, 30, 40 years in this business? Aren't you like, again, how many hours have you invested in knowledge here? Who are the people you know? But it's interesting. And don't you think, I mean, I see this a lot. People just go right to the bottom. They, 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 they discount every single thing they know, every person they know, Right. All the human capital we've raised, all the ecosystems we've merged with, all the people we've like been generous to over our lifetime, and yet we dismiss all that stuff. And I think it's such a powerful thing. Yeah, you can yeah. you can say what you mentioned before. I mean, yeah, I don't know if that's human design, but I think people naturally dilute their greatness. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting because you know especially in times like this, you know, well, let alone in, in just normal times, like you said, someone retires and, you know, they just forget about the, the amount of time they invested, the skill sets and how they can turn those. Maybe they consider that a negative, you know, into a positive. Sometimes people leave, you know, 30 years, 40 years in a corporate environment. It's like they start to mourn. They think something's wrong. It's actually freedom. That's what's supposed to happen. But uh, I think you make a great point. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I, I put the formula together, you know, people are retiring, not in a great state of mind, like you were talking about, right? right. People need to be able to manage their state and, and prepare for that, the golden years and to bring all the experience that, that they have, right? Just raising kids and you know how many people just need help raising kids and keeping families together. Think about it. Most of them, <laughs> honestly, most of us. Yeah. We all, we all need a coach at some level, right? We all need some help at some level. Right. Yeah, if it wasn't for my football coach, I wouldn't be here today. I'll tell you that. Oh, <laughs> yeah? What, oh, yeah. what wisdom did he impart on you? It was really never give up, I think. You know, it was, uh, you know, we were group one. We were small. You know, we all just played every every field of play. You know, you never really came off the field. And just it, it, he, he instilled hard work. I mean, every day, the grind that you mentioned. I mean, 
that type of grind on the gridiron, you know, taught me how to grind and work. And it, you know, I, I, I mean, I recommend it. any type of sports you can get involved in. It, you know, it just gives you a, 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 a new view, you know, on teamwork and pivoting and, you know, you know, there's an individuality to it also, but whatever your sport is, play it and take it to the next level, you know? Right. As long as it makes you move, keeps your body moving too. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all for these single, single sport events, you know, like golf or, you know, racing a car or I don't know, playing chess or playing tennis or it, but I think there's something much greater when you play a team sport when you're part of a group and the group is depending on you and that competitive nature that goes along with that. I don't know. Just to me, I think that that's, there's so much more you gain out of a team sport than individually. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. So, you know, in your book also, Ken, you, you mentioned the Buddhist phrase, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> when did the teacher appear for you? When was the student ready? Wonderful question. It, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, my teacher was, uh, God rest his soul, John Norris. And I was a superintendent on a billion dollar project in Manhattan, starting to you know, work myself up the corporate ladder. And there was a gentleman who was from, he was from England. And he built a project called Canary Wharf for the Reichmans. It was the largest project in the world. And then I had heard he came to New York and built the second largest project in the world, which was Battery Park. And he was the executive vice president for Bruce Ratner, who eventually became the owner of the Nets, and who was going to run this billion-dollar project that I was this little super. But he took a liking to me, and he put me on a 30-story building where I became a site safety manager. And he would give me the opportunity to meet with him at 6 o'clock in the morning, like two or three times a week. And I... I was literally, that's the teacher. And I was ready and I would wake up. I mean, literally I, I was still waking up back then. Crazy hours. It was probably four forty-five because I, you know, you want to get every minute you keep hitting the snooze button, you know, yeah. I would show up there with bells and whistles on to meet John Norris. And it was like reporting for duty. And uh, he was my teacher, man. We would go to the top of 30 story buildings and we would walk down and he would teach me everything that I needed to know to take it to the next level. And then years later, he, when I worked myself through the ranks in Bovis and built several hundred million dollar projects for him, he recommended me to be a senior vice president in a, in a group that I went with, you know, before I went out on my own. So it, he was my teacher and mentor and just an amazing man. That's great, man. That's a great story. Yeah. Great story. Yeah. And when you write, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. And in your case, you know, it's, that's fantastic. You had somebody like that. And you took advantage of it too, right? I mean, the guy wants to mentor you. That means you're up at six o'clock. That means you're in his office, you know, two, three days a week. You're not late. Yeah. Right. It takes two to tango. You know, that's the saddest part that I find in my teachings with people. You know, people are really motivated. And then when it gets to that point where you got to get your ass out of bed and, you know, we used to like the party back then too. She'd be like, you'd be out tearing it up and you're like, I'm still going to be there at six. No problem. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> then then at three and okay, I, was, I might be a little drunk, but I'm exactly. You know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, Ken, you know, as, as a fun fact, I know about you and I'm learning more each time I talk to you about this stuff is that you're a magician as well. 
Yes. And, and we're not talking about like some small time, you know, handful of card tricks. Like you had, you were on shows, right? You were like center stage, throwing daggers through women and lighting people on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen, seen this one, but money's pretty cool. But, you know, people get very confused with money. I don't know if you've ever known that, but I noticed that sometimes, you know, I, I call it bill management. You know, it's really just kind of, you're just kind of folding it and stuff, but you, know, you have to manage your money, right? right. You know, because if you don't manage your money, you know, you could, I'll tell you what will happen because your money gets, it actually like anything else, it can get very confusing and you'll see what will happen to the money. But it actually, you know, it, it gets so confused that if you don't manage your money, you could actually start to lose money. You know, it's pretty cool. You know, the best part is, that, you know, if you learn the right techniques and you manage your money appropriately, you know, if you just kind of, you got to just kind of blow on it a little bit and then it'll kind of come back to the uh, to the dollar again. But it's the pretty original cool. dollar. I don't that's, know. I don't know. That's badass. You're, you're recording video, but. <laughs> I, I am recording video and I'm going to throw this up on YouTube also. But for those of you that are listening in a podcast, he took a single dollar bill and he just kept folding and folding and folding it. So the dollar bill was like all disoriented, <laughs> but connected, all messed up. Then he just, hey, as you're managing your money, as you're paying attention, as you're doing what you do, then the dollar bill comes back. Very yeah. cool, dude. Very cool. Yeah. But yeah, I did perform. And, you know, I started my magic career at like 12 years old. I, I It started at eight where I was fascinated by watching magicians. And a magic shop opened up near my town. And I used to be able to walk there. And I'd walk there every day after school when it was sports season, you know, on, on off season. And uh, they had a contest. And at 12, I entered it. And actually, my friend still to this day beat me in the contest. But that's where I started off, you know, my children's magic career, where I did children's parties throughout, from probably like 12 to 19. By that time, I was a pretty damn good close-up magician. And throughout college, I would do close-up magic at restaurants. But, you know, I've, I've performed for church functions. I, you know, I used to have, like I said, a dagger chest. I'd put all the swords in the head and make the head disappear and a suspension. And when I was young, I dressed as tails and I would be producing fire and flowers and doves and multiplying balls and, you know, all kinds of stuff, changing color silks. And just a, it, magic is a hobby. And you're a student of the art, right? So if you're right. a painter, you'll paint forever and, and i do magic you know i have uh i think probably 300 magic books hundreds of videos and it is just my hobby i love it yeah wow who's like the magician that you go that guy is badass like david blaine i seen him in new york city in central park in a box you know suspended for days right yeah then you got like copperfield and uh, i've seen some of these guys that are really pretty good yeah who's, who's like the who's your guy you, you yeah know, yeah so yeah, so stage magicians. I was a Copperfield fan. I used to like Doug Henning, you know, as a stage yeah. magician when he first started. He was one of my favorites. But some of my favorites, like Roth, is is the best coin magician in in the in the world. Right to go sit with him in New York City and doing coin magic with him is like off the charts. Another favorite magician of mine is Jamie Ian Swiss. He's probably the best card magician in the world. I, I studied with him privately in New York City, like where I could take a card, you'll sign it. It'll, I'll pull it out of my left pocket, put it back in the deck. Then it comes out of my right pocket. Then I, I give you my wallet. You open it with a zipper. You pull out a billfold and you're signed cards inside. Like that's the kind of stuff he taught me. Or taking your card and like throwing a deck on the ceiling and your card sticks on the ceiling. 
but really just blowing people away where you leave them with their jaw dropped with prestidigitation, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's fun because, you know, the one thing I learned, Frank, is, is, is in all the times that, that I, you know, I'm normal. I got, I get depressed, whatever, got down, whatever, you know, I, I, till this day, you know, you see, I, I keep magic in my life. Right. And magic, as we know, in our unblinded movement, it's all about more money, time and magic in your life. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about the magic, man. Because you know what? When you're seeing a good trick and you're being entertained, it keeps you smiling. And that's a physio physiological thing. You said gratitude and fear cannot exist in the same time, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Happiness and joy have a hard time existing in the space of pain and regret. Yes. And so the fact that you bring joy to the world through magic and entertainment and just incredible knowledge and mentorship, friendship, you're a great dad, great husband. You're you're an ideal guy to, mo to model after and mentor from. Ken, I, I truly, truly appreciate you being on the show here today. This has been awesome, awesome time. If you could leave, I guess, our listeners, uh, people have told me when you do a podcast that you should do a little call to action. So give somebody a challenge to do something. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I've never done that, but this time I'm going to start doing that and I'm going to leave it to you. Well, what's a challenge you would like a listener to go and go, you know what? If you do this, and I'm going to challenge you to go do it, try it out for 30 days, 10 days, whatever it is, and see how it changes your life. What would you challenge people to do? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'm going to challenge people to do is, in many instances, like I mentioned, the phone could weigh as much as 100, sometimes even 500 pounds. So I'm going to offer your listeners that I'm reachable. I'm not Donald Trump or whatever real estate developer in New York City that you can't get on the phone. But if, if you go to KenVanLu.com, discover how, you could actually talk to me for, and, and get a free 45-minute strategy session. But what I also want to challenge you for is, you know, step out of your comfort zone, right? Because life begins outside your comfort zone. Amen. And, you know, I, I must say that even today, you know, I, I make myself feel uncomfortable. Like I, I have goals this week that are hard to reach. But I know that if I'm not out of my comfort zone, you know, you're never going to really enjoy life to the fullest, right? So I leave you with those two challenges. Just don't be afraid. Pick up the phone and call me. I'll give you my book for free and, and have gratitude. That's another one. But those two, those few things. I leave awesome, you. brother. Awesome. Well, again, Ken Van Lu, thank you for being on Orange Crushing It today. Again, you're a great example of giving back on helping other people grow and living in that adrenaline junkie, get it done, driven, take no prisoners mentality. I love what you stand for. I love what you accomplished and uh, you're a great friend. I love you, man. Love so, you too. dude, stay inspiring. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, thanks again for being on the show today. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, Frank. I appreciate you too. Take care, man. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orange Crushing It. Hope you're fired up to take on your week with unstoppable energy. Hey, if you like the broadcast, please subscribe, share it with your best buds, and please write a badass review. You can also reach me at themrorange.com. Stay inspiring, all.